Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I'm having lunch at the Palm Restaurant in Washington, D.C. with our producer, Jamie Weinstein. The Palm is Power Lunch Central in Washington. It's full of politicians, journalists, and famous for D.C. celebrities. And it's where Matt Drudge tucked himself into the corner of the bar alone, and we just missed him by a few minutes. Here's Jamie, who came here when we first started the project and almost ran into Drudge. We went to the Palm, where we often come in D.C., uh, we sit down at our table, and uh, the maitre d', the longtime maitre d', comes up to us, Michael, uh, excitedly, never really has done this before, and goes, goes you're never going to guess who was just in here. I go, no, who? Matt Drudge. I go, what? Michael Malore is the restaurant's general manager, who told us about the rare sighting. We noticed a gentleman sitting uh, all by himself in the bar with a hat on, and uh, we didn't check him in, uh, so we thought that was interesting. And then one of my waiters noticed that um, he looked familiar. So we Googled him um, and realized it was Matt Drudge. And then uh, about a half an hour later, we looked at the bar and he was gone. He was here, (laughs) nobody saw him arrive, and then he was gone and uh, nobody saw him exit. When the word got out in the dining room, it was a bit of a buzz. Did you ever see Drudge here before? Never, and never since. He just showed up and then disappeared. That pretty well sums up Matt Drudge's relationship with Washington. He just shows up and then disappears. He pops in, makes a splash, but never stays long enough to really remain plugged in. We heard similar stories from people who encountered him over the years. He just showed up and then disappeared. I've started my search for Matt Drudge here in Washington, D.C. This is where he grew up. It's the city where the biggest story of his life originated. Drudge spent a lot of time here also in the late 90s and early 2000s, but he never settled back in. Everyone I've spoken to here, though, has the same kind of story, that Drudge would appear and then just sort of vanish. Let's go back to the 1990s to learn how this all began. It's January 26, 1998. 
President Bill Clinton walks into a room in the White House alongside his wife, Hillary, and Vice President Al Gore. The press and supporters are waiting for them. The Clintons are there to talk about a childcare initiative, but the press could hardly care less. They and the rest of the country want to know just one thing, about a scandal surrounding the president and his alleged sexual relationship with a young intern named Monica Lewinsky. After remarks from Hillary Clinton and Gore, President Clinton stands at the lectern to address the elephant in the room. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. Thank you. Well, you know what happens next. The American people learn all those sordid details of the Ken Starr investigation. There's the stained dress and the uh, cigar. If Monica Lewinsky says that you used a cigar as a sexual aid with her, the Oval Office area, would you be blind? Yes, no, or, or won't answer. I will revert to my former statement. The White House intern becomes a national punchline. Happy Monica Day, everybody. Today is Monica Day, of course, it? across the United Finally. States. Is it a federal holiday, I think? <laughs> Probably. All zippers at half mast or something? I don't know, but that The Clintons try to brush it off as... This vast right-wing conspiracy. ...that was against them. The House impeaches Clinton, but he evades being kicked out of office. On both of the accusations against him, the president is found uh, not guilty. And that's the storyline of the hour, the effort to remove President Clinton from office and stay over both charges. All right, let's rewind that tape even more. To understand how we got to this monumental moment, we have to go back to the beginning. Everything that happens next, the public details of the scandal, the first impeachment of a sitting president in a century— is set in motion by one man with a dial-up internet connection in Hollywood, California, Matt Drudge. How could the most powerful man in media basically just vanish from public life? From JMW Productions and iHeartMedia, this is Finding Matt Drudge. At this time in his life, Drudge is not a household name. He's had some scoops on his low-rent website, The Drudge Report, but most were about entertainment. He was written off as a gossip monger. But now he was about to hit the jackpot that would forever change his life. On January 17, 1998, Matt Drudge posted a story on his website that said Newsweek magazine was sitting on a story about an alleged affair between the president and an intern. Michael Isikoff was the Newsweek reporter who was working on the story. According to Drudge biographer Matt Leshack, Lucianne Goldberg, who was trying to feed the story to the press, found Matt Drudge after Newsweek was dragging its feet. Here's Leshack. After Isikoff left and said that they weren't going to run the story, Ann Coulter said, you know, I have this friend, and he'll publish it. And Lucianne told me she 
called Matt up on the phone and gave Matt Drudge the entire story. And when she woke up the next morning and saw it on the internet, she said that she knew everything had changed. Here's Izikoff, who first met Drudge when Drudge visited the Newsweek office in the summer of 1997, before the story broke. What was your first impression of him when he walked in the room and you saw him? I mean, you know, he was clearly a character, a type. You know, he wore that hat and he sort of gave this aura of somebody in the know. And, you know, he was a character. Later, Izikov started working on the Clinton story. It did not become a story, as far as I was concerned, until I learned that Starr had entered the fray. That's what made this a story. And that's when I really started to aggressively put everything together because I knew then that this was going to be explosive. It had become officially sanctioned, secret Justice Department investigation of the president. Drudge didn't have any of that. Everybody thinks Drudge broke the story. You look at what he wrote on his website that night when Newsweek, you know, in its infinite wisdom, decided to hold my story. Um sarcastic, by the way. Uh, Drudge didn't have that. He didn't say anything about Star. He didn't say anything about the Sting. He didn't say anything about that which was the most explosive part of the story. It just, like, you know, shouting match in Newsweek about whether to report that Clinton had an extramarital affair with Monica Lewinsky. That's not what the story was. I knew that once he put that out there that, you know, my scoop was doomed. But um, there was nothing I could do about it. You had the scoop, and why was it not run? Why was it delayed? Basically, they were nervous. I mean, the editors, you know, this was like they wanted to know everything, but like, well, wait a second, like, you know, can we really report that Clinton, you know, has been having an affair with an intern? The story was going to come out. It's a question of how and when, right? But the fundamentals were already there. It was just too explosive. They couldn't handle it. It was too big to report. And at that time, what was the perspective about people like Matt Drudge, folks who were not tied to a publication that had their own website that they put up themselves and were pumping out information? He kind of pioneered it, right? Didn't he? I mean, there weren't a lot of people doing what he did, but, you know, he seemed, yeah, he was in with this crowd of, you know, conservative activists and um, lawyers and political operatives. And so he's picking up all this sort of anti Clinton gossip and just throwing it out there. And it got him an enormous audience, right? I mean, people were fixated on this stuff, even if they weren't, you know, anti, even if they weren't Clinton bashers. I mean, I think there was an appetite for gossip about the Clintons. And Drudge was basically a gossip columnist at that point. Now, he was more than that because he had all these links and he had a pretty good news sense. That was always what 
I think was his greatest asset. He just had an instinct for news and what was going to blow up and what would get people's attention. So he had sort of an old-fashioned tabloid newspaper editor's instinct for what's going to play. Tucker Carlson was a young reporter in Washington at the time. He remembered how the Clinton scoop was what put Drudge on the map. This guy was called Matt Drudge. And I remember thinking that's like totally out of Dickens. There can't really be someone called Matt Drudge. But everybody in Hollywood read Matt Drudge. And then 1998, the Monica Lewinsky story breaks. It was being prepared in Newsweek by Mike Isakoff, who was later became kind of bitter and ridiculous. But at the time was a very serious reporter and I knew him well. And he, you know, he's a real reporter. I mean, he had the story that the president had been having a sexual relationship with his intern, which at the time was legitimately shocking. And for whatever reason, cowardice mostly, Newsweek didn't want to run it. And out of nowhere, Matt Drudge scooped him on his own story on this thing called the Drudge Report. I mean, I had read the Drudge Report before, But that was the moment when he went from internet blogger to fixture in the news universe, when he scooped that story and basically reported the real story, which was Yusikov had this and his editors at Newsweek were refusing to run it. So that was kind of the big change for Drudge and for American journalism. Isikoff was furious at his editors. He had the scoop of the century and some rando in California beat him to it. I remember the New York Times asking me if I felt suicidal when the Newsweek editors held the story. And I said, I don't know about suicidal, but I wouldn't deny that I might have had homicidal instincts at that time. Newsweek realized that they would have to act fast. They couldn't wait to post their story until the next print edition hit newsstands in several days. So they did what they'd never really done before. Spurred by the speed that Drudge and others were posting online, Newsweek posted an original story on its website. In essence, Matt Drudge had kicked internet journalism into life. This was the moment that internet journalism became a thing. It was also the moment that launched Matt Drudge as a media superstar. With his newfound fame, Drudge became a Washington fixture, He was invited on national television shows and was invited to exclusive parties. He had finally made it. With Drudge's Clinton scandal scoop rocking Washington, he was asked to appear on Meet the Press, one of the most prestigious news shows in the nation. And the other guest who was slated to appear with him? Mike Isikoff. I was asked to be on Meet the Press the Sunday after the story broke with him on a panel with him on it. And... You know, I, Russert called me up and asked me to be on, you know, to come on. And, you know, I said, who else is on? He told me he was going to have Drudge. And I said, you know, they really have to have Drudge. And no, Russert said, well, he's part of the story, which he was. So I agreed to do it. Here's Drudge on the show talking about Clinton's response to his reporting. I think we're going to give him some more. Uh, and if this is how they're going to go out, Uh, If this is going to be their tact to not go quietly, but to go out screaming and kicking when you've got a line of women who have testified under oath uh, that they've had relationships with this man that have been improper. You thought last week was bad. This upcoming week is going to be one of the worst weeks in the history of this country if they're going to take a a tact that uh, this is all made up. Sitting opposite Drudge bothered me 
Why are you going to have him on? I had complained to Russell a few days before. He's a reckless gossip merchant. He's part of the story too, Russell replied. And I wrote, he was right. So I realized that there was no way to exclude him and his role in the way this played out. Outside the studio, a gaggle of reporters stood waiting for Drudge like he was some kind of celebrity. They set up a microphone for him to speak, and when he stepped outside, he was happy to indulge them and bask in the glow of his newfound fame. I intend no mercy. I'm working on it hard. I've got a few leads, and uh, uh, it's up to the Washington Press Corps if they keep the heat applied. Do you know where Matt Drudge is? If you have a great Matt Drudge story that can shed insight into the mysterious mogul and help us on our search, call us at 301-200-2414 and tell us about it. We may even air your message in the final episodes of the show. If you want us to credit you, please say so and leave your name. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Drudge relished in his status as a media bad boy. When his book, Drudge Manifesto, made the New York Times bestseller list, 
he couldn't help but gloat. I'm not supposed to be on the New York Times bestsellers list because I'm not even a reporter and I'm not even a journalist, according to them. I'm just a troublemaker. That was on C-SPAN with Brian Lamb, where Matt Drudge became a regular guest. Brian Lamb, the founder of C-SPAN, embraced Drudge early. You know C-SPAN. It's that cable channel that broadcasts live from the Capitol building and other political events with little commentary. But C-SPAN also hosts public affairs talk shows in Washington in the mornings, and Brian Lamb insisted on bringing Drudge on the show whenever he could. The guy has had a tremendous amount of impact, uh, if nothing else, on the news business. Because, you know, those of us in the news business are as thin-skinned as anybody in, uh, in, in the world. And when he would scoop stuff, it would drive people crazy. When it comes to Matt Drudge, he was, people were intrigued by him. Who is that guy? And how can he get away with this? Where was he educated? It's all in typical stuff. It, there is a community of journalists in this town that have set their own rules. And if you break their rules, then you're a bad guy. And I think it's easy to say that he broke rules. You know how much he, a guy like that drives people in this town crazy. Uh, it's, it's the unknown. It's the sticking his finger in other people's eyes. It's the, uh, it's, you know, where did this guy come from attitude? He was cocky. I mean, he loved being cocky. Matt Drudge is one savvy character. He studied the process and how it works. And he, I don't know where, I don't know what his goal was, but he, he did make a difference and got in people's heads and irritated them and exposed some of the things that they just should not have exposed. Uh, and so he mattered. I doubt if there's ever been anybody in the media world that has done more, had more influence as a single person than this guy, maybe with the exception of Thomas Paine. Uh, but if you just think about how much he captivated everybody uh, in the last 25 years, I think you can conclude that he's had an impact. Another show where he appeared as a guest was Crossfire, a CNN talk show that discussed news of the day from a liberal and a conservative perspective. Bill Press co-hosted the show during Drudge's heyday. The idea was half an hour, live TV every night with two co-hosts, one on the left, one on the right, and usually two guests, sometimes just one guest, debating the hottest issue of the day. And that's what we always tried to do bring on a couple of guests, debate the hot issue of the day, and then move on. And certainly the hot issue of the time uh, was Monica Lewinsky. And we, we did probably a year's worth of Monica Lewinsky shows. <laughs> and Matt Drudge was one of the key figures in that, of course, because he's the one who broke the story after uh, Newsweek had refused to run it. And this mysterious person <laughs> we were able to book in studio in Washington for a crossfire segment. I just remember the excitement, right, of getting, Matt, again, this mysterious figure, Matt Drudge, getting him actually on the set. And the other thing I remember about Matt Drudge is he was kind of shy. He just did his job. And he was very confident that what he reported was, he had sources for it, he was accurate, he uh, defended his site, a lot of people were attacking it as they didn't use the phrase then as fake news. But this was a new form of journalism. This guy from out of nowhere really turned the media world upside down. It was a 
a whole new thing that took the traditional media world by storm. It was new and nothing short of revolutionary. He was very much a player at the time. That player status got him invited to events like the annual White House Correspondents' Dinner in Washington, a night where the press and politicos, including the President of the United States, mingle in gowns and tuxedo over dinner and cocktails. At one of the after-parties, a slightly inebriated Sean Spicer, many years before he became Donald Trump's White House press secretary, spotted Drudge and decided to play a prank on him. I caught up with Spicer while he was selling books in a crowded conference center in Washington. There was an after party at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. It went out to the patio. It was on the first floor. And Drudge showed up at the party after the dinner. I think a few people had probably had a few drinks. And Drudge had this fedora-type hat that he wore. I believe, and the reason I bring this up is that I believe I grabbed the hat. I went up, introduced myself, and then I, I think just thought it was kind of funny to maybe borrow <laughs> Matt's hat. I don't know that he took it with as much humor as I did at the time, but I think I'd probably had a couple drinks in me uh, at that hour. Ed Henry, who was a reporter for the Roll Call newspaper at the time, recorded the event in the paper's gossip column. Spicer being Spicer, he's an Irishman who likes to tease people, tweak people, took the hat, maybe put it on, and someone called me and said, you won't believe what Sean Spicer did, because Matt Drudge doesn't like when people touch his hat. I would get like phone calls like, hey, you didn't hear it from me, but Spicer's in some hot water because he pissed off Matt Drudge. Despite the popularity, or maybe it was just curiosity, reporters remained skeptical of Drudge. He was, after all, still an outsider. He wasn't one of them, and he was embarrassing them regularly. Here's Mike Isikoff. There was condescension towards him because he was viewed as this gossip guy who just threw things out there, right? Um, without doing real reporting or, you know, verifying, corroborating. So, yeah, he, it looked very much like um, this interloper who didn't really play by the standard rules of journalism. At the time you told the New York Times about Drudge, he's a menace to honest, responsible journalism. Yeah, I did say that. Do you still feel that way? <laughs> <laughs> Look, we've come so far today from where we were then that there are many, many menaces to <laughs> honest, independent journalism these days. Um, I don't know that I'd put him at the top of the list. How have you felt about Matt Drudge if and when you ever think of him or someone mentions him? Look, I don't think about him a lot these days um he's a factor you know he was a factor um in the evolution of american journalism to give him his his due i mean he was a pioneer um who did bring a lot of the you know the ethos and sensibilities of tabloid journalism to the internet he had sort of old-fashioned news instincts that were as good as any um, I've come across. I mean, he knows when to jump on a story. He knows how to play it up. He knows how to frame things in a way that are going to get people's attention. Um, and so, you know, hats off to him for that. That's what's made him as successful as he's been. 
Obviously, a lot has changed in the media landscape since the 1990s. In a few short years, a lot more would change for Matt Drudge, too. He would quickly transition from a pariah in the DC media world to someone everyone sought after. In the next episode of Finding Drudge, I'll travel to Washington, D.C. to talk to journalists about Matt Drudge, what he means to them, and how far they've gone to get his attention. Join us next time for Finding Matt Drudge. Remember to call us at 301-200-2414 if you have a great tip or a great Matt Drudge story. We'll track down the tips for the final episodes of the show. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend Jon Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.